We've been talking, we started last week talking in this series about I can. And last week we talked about I can make it. This week I want to want to talk about something that's pretty relevant to what we're experiencing today. I mean, some of you may have even chose the side. I'm, I'm looking across the, um, the, the audience today, and, and for the most part, you're in your normal seats, which is kind of scary, you creatures of habit. You know, Raylene and I, I ain't listening to you. Raylene and I, <laughs> Raylene and I, we pastored for about eight months a little church in Oklahoma City. I've told this story a lot of times. It's so true. The people were in such a habit. The pews went all the way against the walls on the outside, and people would sit for year after year after year in the same seat um, against that wall. And literally, when you went into that church and turned the lights on by yourself, it was a spooky deal. The silhouette of those people was imprinted on the walls. I mean, literally, you could see their, the whole shape of their, of their side body as they're sitting there. It's like you could never get away from some of those scary figures. And some of them were scary to pastor, but, uh, you know, as creatures of habit. And, 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 and sometimes um, this idea of these, of these habits that we have, I mean, I think about Denver Broncos versus Carolina Panthers. Today I want to talk about a very important subject that I think is relevant to all of our lives, and it is simply this, not only can I make it, but I can also choose. Philippians 4, let's read this real quick, this is our key verse for the series, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, I have learned the secret of being content in any In every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That there is an I can-ness. I I love making up words with the um, suffix ness. I can-ness about this idea of God working in our lives. That the strength of God working in us can help us in our times of weakness, but also in our times of plenty. And the Apostle Paul is stepping back saying, I've experienced all of these different things. I've experienced the highs and the lows of life. I've experienced the, 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 the hunger that comes. I've experienced times where there was no hunger, where I was, I was fully fed. And, and I have come to recognize that no matter what I go through, no matter what I face in life, no matter what happens to me, I can do this. I can do this in the strength and the power of the God in whom I am serving. I can do this through Christ, through Him who gives me strength. See, this being Super Bowl Sunday, there are a lot of people today in our country and even around the world that are experiencing this thing called the power of choice. The power of choice. That... That we have the opportunity today to choose whose side we are going to be on. And I know that there are, there are some people that are actually making a third choice. And that cho- choice is who cares. <clears throat> right? Because um, the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't in the game. 
or the Houston Texans or the Dallas Cowboys or the Miami Dolphins or some other weird team that someone might root for. For whatever reason, you would root for them. I mean, the reality of today is, though, is that there are people that are donning colors and they are making a choice in their life to decide exactly which team they're going to root for, which team are they going to be pulling for. On the Denver Broncos side, there is the Peyton Manning saga with the Peyton Manning sympathizers. He's an old man. He needs to go out with a last hoorah. He's a legend that needs to go out on top. Let's throw the game and let the old man win. Then you have the Carolina Panther side that has an affinity for a team that has never been here before in a stratosphere, in a place that it has never experienced. And with its Cam Newton and its Michael Orr, people are saying, give the new blood a chance. The new blood deserves this. As a matter of fact, I'm going to root for the Carolina Panthers just because of Michael Lord. I liked the movie. What's the name of that movie? See, you see, I knew that. I just made sure you did. See what I'm saying? And so you have this, you have this dichotomy taking place in, in, in reality even right now as people are preparing for their Super Bowl parties. But of course, we're here at church today and you may be having a Super Bowl party tonight. But the reality of all of that is, is, that, is that somebody is making a choice one way or the other. Which team are you on? And I think that that is the true life choice that all of us face, that every day we make choices. Matter of fact, it is so real that there is another amazing area in which we can declare I can. And it is simply this, that I can choose. That I have the power of choice in my hands and I can choose the right thing in my life. That I can make choices. I, I, I think that, that um, whether we realize it or not, every day our lives are built from one choice to the next. Think about it for a second. You choose to get up. I mean, some people choose to stay in bed. But if you get up at all, you had to make a choice to roll out. You choose to get yourself together, whatever that might look like in the mornings. You choose to make yourself at least somewhat presentable. I mean, some people don't care. Have you been to Walmart? I just took all of y'all's minds to somewhere your minds don't need to go. But I, I mean, you, you know, I mean, you, you do something. I mean, you have to choose something to wear unless you want to get arrested or live in a nudist colony, which that's a choice. But you have to choose something to wear. You, you go and you do whatever it is that you have to do, you may have to choose to stop at the convenience store and put gas in your car. Or 
You could be like some people and choose not to, and then now your choice has the consequence that now you are choosing which record service you're going to call or which family member you're going to elicit for help to put gas in your car. You choose. You choose to get out of the car. You choose to go in to wherever it is that you are going, whether it be work, the store, to school. You choose to do that. You choose to enact with the day. And and a part of that day, wherever you are, whether it's at shopping or whether it's leisure or whether it's work or whether it's school, no matter what you're doing during that day, you are constantly faced with this barrage of choices. And every choice you make has some measure of consequence. Every choice you make has some reactive quality to it that that for every action there is a reaction and for every choice there is an answer to that choice. And and, and I think that I need to say this and it would be very clear to us today that good choices lay the foundation for a good life. And bad choices have the opportunity to turn that thing over on its head. That that you can make one choice that can turn the events of your entire day or even your entire life. And so we have to be very careful with these choices that we make. Although we are so very accustomed to making them. Although choices are something that that we do without even thinking. I mean, I really, I, I was thinking about this this week in, in a study. I was thinking, man, you know, how many individual choices take place in my life every day? I mean, from everything from turning on water faucets, turning off water faucets, turning on lights, turning off lights, closing doors, locking doors, opening doors, unlocking doors. I mean, on and on and on and on. Is it one Dr. Pepper, two Dr. Pepper, three Dr. Pepper, four? Five Dr. Pepper, six Dr. Pepper, seven Dr. Peppers more. Or is it one Dr. Pepper, two Dr. Pepper, three Dr. Pepper, guilt trip water, guilt trip water. Another Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper, guilt trip water. What's going on in my life? Choices. Choices. You know? Subway, healthy sandwich, McDonald's Big Mac, choices. Lazy boy, treadmill, choices. I'm about in your I'm about in your camp there. He said no choice there. Am I going to whip and nay, nay? <laughs> Stanky leg, what am I going to do? Am I going to do that? Is, is that? is that going to be what I'm going to do? Am I going to accentuate an argument? Is that what I'm going to do? Or am I going to be a peacemaker? Choices. Am I going to honk at them or am I going to bless them in Jesus' name? Figure out who I'm talking about. 
Am I going to, what am I doing in my life? What kind of choices am I making in my life? And are the choices that I'm making in my life taking me to where I want to go? That's the question about the choices we have to make. And I've come to say that I can make the right choice through the strength of Christ working in my life. I have been reminded this week of a class that when Raylene and I first entered into the Master of Divinity program at ORU a decade ago. We entered into that program and the very first class that we took was a class on the spiritual disciplines and formation. The name of the class, Spiritual Disciplines and Formation. Now I'm in the doctorate program and I'm having to complete a paper this, this week that is on spiritual formation. And it has, it has driven me back to that decade, decades-old class with material that we discussed back then that, that was so very relevant in, in our lives in, in the area of spiritual disciplines and the choices that we make as a child of God to do certain things, that if I do these certain things, there is a redeeming value in my life from God. That there is the possibility in every one of our lives to, to practice particular disciplines that create in us the awareness of God's presence and the relationship that we have with God is strengthened and built in these arenas. It has reminded me that for a lot of Christians in the Western church, it is very true that we are living our lives with choices of being so busy that we really don't have time to do things like pray or to spend time alone with God in His Word. To practice the presence of God in our life through times of solitude with Him in silence and just allowing the Holy Spirit to breathe Something down inside of us that is not from us, but it is from Him. And I realize that all of these things require me to make a choice. To make a choice. That if I am in fact going to walk in these spiritual disciplines in my life, if I am going to walk in this arena of prayer and of the study of God's word and the fellowship of God's people that I have got to be willing to carve time out in my life to say this is the choice I am making. I am making this choice for God. And one thing that this particular book is talking about a lot is making the choice to practice what in ancient times they called the daily office. And the daily office is simply this, that you carve out time. And, and if, you, if you look at the monastic movement with the monks, they, they, would, they would have, I think, seven daily offices, but, but typically in a, in, in, in a non-monastery non setting, it would be two or three a day that you have these set times carved out to say, you know, at two o'clock or at, at noon or, or and at seven, whatever my times are, at those times, every day I'm just setting that time aside to sit down with the Word of God and to, and to pray. I'm going to operate in the daily offices as a routine in my life that every day I'm going to hit this like clockwork and that it has been, it has been discovered over a period of hundreds of years that the people who practice this in their life have a much more enriched walk with God. 
Matter of fact, it is proven that people that operate in this, that make this choice in their life to say, I can carve out this time, I can do this, that I can choose to do this in my life, that the people that actually carve the time out and do this, these people live with, the, with an extraordinary kind of peace and strength from God in their life, that, that they have learned what it is to have this thing called a satisfied soul, that, that no matter what circumstance buffets them in their life, they never get anxious because they know that they're going to be in the presence of God, and in the presence of God there is peace and joy. There is peace and joy in Him. And and so it's taking these times in your life, and it's making this structure because, because you want to develop that part of your life. But you have to choose to do that. You have to choose to do that. There's no, there's no angel coming down to grab you by the hair and drag you into a prayer posture. There's no, there, there's no force of the Holy Spirit that's going to come upon you and force you to do something that you do not want to do. You just have to simply say, I can choose to do this through the strength that Christ is giving me. Moses. He led the children of Israel out of Egypt. They were in bondage there for more than 400 years. They were treated in the last few hundred years of their what would be known as their captivity. They would be treated as slaves. Many people believe that it was, in fact, the ancient Israelites enslaved in Egypt that helped to build most of the pyramids that you, that you see during that time frame. That there is a mark in there of this enormous amount of labor that they elicited from this people who they had enslaved in bondage there in their land. Moses stood by a burning bush in the desert. It was a theophany or a visible representation of God. He stood before this visible representation of God in this bush. There was a fire. It was something that would get his attention. A fire burning in a bush, yet the bush is not being consumed. It was just God getting his attention. Moses chose to walk up to explore this phenomenon that was taking place in this desert place. And while he was exploring this phenomenon, the word came to him from this bush. The voice of the Lord spoke to him and said, take off your shoes, you're walking on a hollowed ground. And it was there in that moment that God revealed to Moses that I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to be the catalyst to lead my people from this bondage. Moses argued with the Lord, told the Lord his limitations, but God would see none of that, and ultimately Moses did just that. He went back to Egypt, and he demanded that Pharaoh release the people because these were the people of God, and that God had prepared for them a promised land. And if you know the story of Exodus, or have watched the movie Ten Commandments by Charlton Heston, you would know that there were plagues that came upon the Egyptians because, Mo, because the Pharaoh's heart was hardened against this. He had free labor by estimated 4 million people. Who's going to build our pyramids? Finally, there was a plague that killed the firstborn of the people that did not have the blood of a lamb 
upon their doorpost of their home, their porch. And so this final plague was the blow, the crushing blow that caused Pharaoh to turn, turn his heart and say, well, then let the people go. And so it was they did. They traversed themselves across the wilderness. A lot of things happened, but they ended up staying in the wilderness for 40 years, wandering because the people's hearts were not prepared to receive the promise that God had given them. And they murmured and complained against God in that moment. And finally, the day came that Moses himself would be removed as their leader. He would die. And so it is that we read in the word of God that Moses would stand before the people one last time as their leader and he would give them a word. A word of advice. I'm not going to read everything Moses said to the people, but I do want to read one verse in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. It says, This day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. I mean, here's this entire speech about if you will follow God, if you will be obedient to His Word, if you will just trust in Him, that there will be blessings come upon you. But if you forsake God, if you leave Him and go after other gods and other things, then you will in turn receive the curse that comes with being outside of the blessing of God. And Moses looks at the people and says, I have explained this to you that this day I have set before you life and death. This day I have showed you blessings and curses and I am in you as your leader one last time to choose life. Make the right choice. Make the right choice in your life. Examine all of the particulars that are going on and, 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 and don't make the wrong choice because if you make the wrong choice, it will affect you and your children. If you make the wrong choice, it will take you down a different path and and, and, and God is speaking to us in his word, imploring us to choose wisely. It's very interesting that many years later, Moses' successor, Joshua, is standing in the same kind of circumstance that all of this is being passed. And now the days of Joshua being their leader are coming to a close as well. And in his final declaration before the people, he stands before them in Joshua 24, and he makes the same kind of plea to the people. I'll read just one verse of what he said. Verse 15, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors, the ones they serve beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He is telling them the exact same message, just in different words, that you have the power to choose, and you need to be very careful in your life to make the right choice. That he would stand with his predecessor and declare to the people that you can choose wisely. But the driving point to the people and the driving point through the word of God and the driving point to us today is that the choices we make determine the results we receive. The choices we make determine the results that we received. It 
There are a lot of people today on Super Bowl Sunday that are going to be, support, that are going to be cheering for a winning team simply by the choice they decided to make. We can all choose what team we want to be. So I offer you three things. And I bring this to a close. I can choose how I respond to the circumstances in my life. Think about this. Take a deep breath. Might be a little rough water, but take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. I can choose how I respond to the circumstances in my life. I didn't say just the good circumstances. All circumstances. I can choose how I respond to them. Talking to someone one time after this explanation of this situation that they had gotten themselves into. And these words came forth from their mouth and their heart. I couldn't help myself. Yes, you can. That's no excuse. See, I think in every family, in every marriage, in every relationship, in every workplace, in every school situation, in everything that we are facing in our life, we can choose life. We might have to humble ourselves. I can choose to say I'm sorry. Or I can choose to be an arrogant individual. How many times have we heard somebody say, well, I'm tired of taking the high road. Yet the word of God declares to us that we should choose the high road. The word of God declares to us, even Jesus Christ himself is our example of one who was unjustly accused and convicted and then condemned and crucified. All the while making a single choice. A single choice that wrestled itself in that garden that he prayed, if it be possible, Father, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I choose. I choose to drink the cup. I choose to drink the cup of humility. I choose to drink the cup of peace. I choose. Therefore, I choose to watch what I say. I choose. See, that's another thing that we can choose today. I can choose to shut off negative talk and start speaking life in myself and in those around me. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruits. Do you like speaking death? Then you'll eat the fruit. Relationships will die. Say, man, pastor, this is tough stuff. It's hard to talk about choice and not really get down to where the rubber meets the road. I'm not talking about whether or not you're going to go to Ron's or Speedy's today for lunch. I'm talking about life choices that you and I are making in our lives that if we're not careful, we will make the wrong choices. And when we make the wrong choices, then we have to suffer the consequence. And I don't want any of us to suffer. I don't want any of us in this room to, to have to live with results that are 
unfavorable in our lives. Man, I want you to be blessed and happy. There is nothing more that I strive for as a pastor than to try to help people be blessed and happy in their life. Just that you can understand. But a part of being blessed and happy is understanding that not everything is, is fly off the handle. Not everything is shoot from the hip. That there are some choices that we need to make. And there are some choices in your life you need to make right now. There are some choices of mending relationships that you need to make. There are some choices of how are you going to handle that strife in your home? How are you going to handle that? I'm speaking today to speak life. Don't speak negative. You can choose to speak life. My pastor in Houston was an old-time Pentecostal hellfire and brimstone preacher. Now, I don't know how he spun me out. Somehow or another. He would preach on hell. You would feel the fire lick at your soles of your feet. I mean, he made hell so real. He was just, and it come across, man. He's just talking about judgment, and 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 some of you are just completely unfamiliar with that. And understand that, but just try to conceive it. That I that I was raised under this man whose forte, whose forte was to preach on judgment, to preach on hell and eternal condemnation. I, I, from the time I was about 13 years old, I sat on the platform right behind him. I was his water boy. And there were so many times that he had had me up while he was preaching. He'd be, I don't know, he just needed something to lean on or something. He dragged me around. He was preaching. He's so hot. And, and it, it's so real. You would just feel it so intense. And the room would get very tense. And, and, and many, many times I, I saw people under such, under such whatever, whether it be conviction or condemnation. I'm really not fully sure but but I mean I would see them run to the front and fall in in the altar begging for someone to pray because they felt like they were going to hell tonight like there was a train getting ready to pull out from behind the church now I'm not condemning that I'm telling this story for a purpose because you would think that this man would get some type of whatever out of all of this but you know what you really get to know him. I worked for him away from the church. I, I was in his home. I was with him four or five days a week. I was with him outside of the church environment. We would drive in his car and sometimes he would get to talking about the, what he felt was the cross that he was bearing. Now, I wish I could preach. I wish I could I wish I could get I wish I didn't I wish I didn't feel this call from God on me to preach these subjects. I, you know I just I just, and sometimes even with tears, he'd be driving his Ford Bronco down the streets of Houston, Texas. And with tears, he'd be telling me, he'd be telling me that, that, that this is a very heavy thing for me to wake up in the middle of the night and feel this so real upon me for people. And I understand that. I have felt the same. But he told me one time, he said, listen. If you ever have to preach on a negative subject, you don't have to be negative. He said, you can make a choice. That's what he told me, you can make a choice. He said, because this is the deal. He says, if you're going to preach people through the gate of hell, you had best show them how to get out before you're through. Don't leave the... I'll never forget it. He's trying to row tears. Of course, not face. He said, he said, Rob... Don't ever leave anybody in hell. Don't leave them there. Show them the way out. Oh my. 
Did you know that even in negative circumstances in your life, you can do the same thing? Don't leave your spouse in hell. Come out of here. Huh? Don't leave your children in hell. There's kids that have such low self-esteem because of the way people talk to them. Even their own parents or grandparents. They say things to them that shouldn't be said. You should never tell a child they're stupid or they're ugly or they're fat. You shouldn't speak death. You shouldn't speak death to that little ego. You shouldn't speak death to that little, to that, to that little person right there. And you shouldn't do it to your spouse either. Or what about your neighbor? Or what about your brother or your sister? Well, praise God. I've never, I've never in my life been hurt by words as much as I've been hurt by words from my own family. I've had things spoken over me by somebody I love dearly that my own wife has to call me on airplanes and warn me that when the plane lands, I've got, I've got voicemails that I might not want to listen to. That's painful, man. You shouldn't speak death into someone's life. Is this too rough today? You need to choose a different path. You need to choose a different thing to say. Come on, somebody, help me out. Somebody needs to go look at their wife and say, you know what, I don't know how we're going to make it out of this, but I think we are. You know what I'm saying? You know, it might be a negative circumstance. I don't know how we're going to make it out of this, but I think we are. You ought to go say your children or, 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 your, or, your, or your grandchildren that may be facing something in their life and speak, okay, I'm just going to preach way too long if I keep this up. You can choose wisely what you're going to say. Come on. Whatever you do, don't leave people around you in hell. Oh, I ain't talking about the lake of fire. I'm talking about the uncertainty. I'm talking about the pain. I'm talking about we can be encouragers. We can choose to be encouragers. Ultimately, you can choose to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Did you know that this whole thing about discipleship circles itself around one thing? What do you choose? (laughs) Jesus said, come follow me. Do you want the nets? Do you want me? You can't have both. Do you want to fish? Or do you you want to fish for fish? Or you want to fish for people. You can't do both. That's what he was telling them. And today we can choose to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. You know what? How many of you, I'm going to close with this. How many of you have ever been through my discipleship class around here that I called the core? How many of you have been through that? Raise your hand. That, it's an intense class, isn't it? Okay. You know what I, I thought I thought last night? I mean, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I got so excited I had to call Trent on our off day. Um, yesterday afternoon I, I, I thought to myself you know what would it be like if I were to personally take that core class and turn it into a connect group and instead of trying to hammer it out over five weeks we just stretch it out over each season and each season I as a pastor just lead a connect group of people who want to know about going deeper in discipleship so I called Pastor Trent I said, what are we going to, I'm thinking, I was trying to think of names. He said, I think we ought to call it Christianity 101. So y'all be looking for that next Sunday. There's going to be a thing about there. Pastors leading a connect group called Christianity 101. And we're just going to dive into what it means to be a disciple. Isn't that cool? But you can choose that. See, I made a choice last night. I made a choice to commit another, another night of my week to help somebody grow in their, in their discipleship, to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. You can make a choice too. And I, and I am praying as you stand with me. I am praying over you. Listen. This is so important. Today, 
Somebody's going to be choosing the winning team and somebody's going to be choosing the losing team. (laughs) Or, let me be politically correct, somebody's going to be choosing a winning team and somebody's going to be choosing a losing team. One of these colors is going down before the night's over. And there's a lot of sad people that are going to say, Man, I thought this was going to be the year. Let me tell you what, this is going to be the year for you. And let me tell you why. Because what Moses and Joshua and what Jesus were trying to tell all of the people is that if you choose God, you choose right. Because when you choose God, you choose life. And when you choose life, you're always on the winning team. Amen. So I speak a word over us today that we choose God. Just go ahead and make a choice to say, that's who I'm going for. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's who I'm going for. And whatever He calls me to do, I'm going to do it because I want to follow Him. And I'm going to watch what I say. And I'm going to and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit help me choose wisely how I deal with my circumstances. But in the end, I'm just going to choose Christ. And because I choose Him, my life's going to be okay. And your life is going to be okay if you make the right choice. Do you want to do that today? Let me pray for you. Bow your heads for a second. You say, Pastor, I need a fresh start today. Would you just slip a hand up and say, Man, I just need.